When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hey, MD Nation. And before we get started with today's show, I wanted to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by The Gallery. Based out of New York, The Gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. While we are unable to travel, this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, The Gallery is offering our listeners 15% off their purchase by using the code 15 off. Again, that is promo code 15 off. So go to thegallery.com. That's T H E G A L R Y.com. So your wall will never be boring again. And now, welcome back to the show. Welcome to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We got a great one in store for you guys today. This is the first week kicking off two podcasts a week now until the season starts. And when the season starts, we'll be back to four a week. We've been talking about that. We'll talk about that some more as we get closer. But for now, what you guys need to know is that these Thursday shows over the next three weeks, at least, are going to be mock drafts. We're going to be going over a standard 12-team Mock draft today with a quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, defense, kicker, and seven bench spots. So a pretty standard way of drafting out there right now. And then next week will be half point, and the following week will be full point PPR. So we're going to go through, we're going to utilize the rankings of mine on the Belly Up Sports website. That's bellyupfantasysports.com. They are updated. We just updated those rankings last night, so they are all good to go. So you guys go ahead and check those out. But we're going to be utilizing those rankings uh, in the mock drafts today to kind of show you where you can find some value at and why as we go through it all in 
today's episode. Very excited for that. Well, of course, we're going to be back tomorrow. Don't you guys forget with the best five, bus five, sleeper five of the running back position like we did with the quarterbacks last week. And we're going to be moving forward through August with our fingers crossed, our toes crossed, and all the hopes in the world that football stays on the track that it is on. Now, today's show, because we're doing mock drafts, we're not going to be diving into any offseason notes. We're not going to be doing a mailbag, but we are going to be doing a mailbag in tomorrow's episode. So if you haven't already to get your chance to get your question answered on the show or your comment talked about on the show, hit up the MD Nation hotline, 609-362-2480. Leave a voicemail there. We'll let you play it out on the show at the end, and we'll talk to you directly. Otherwise, you can hit us up on social media, at Show on both Twitter and Facebook. You can leave a comment, whatever you want there, and we'll talk about it. If I talk to you guys about it on social media, it means I'm probably not going to get you on the show, but if I don't talk to you about it, do not fret, because I'm probably going to use your question or comment on the show itself. But either way, I will always want 100% answer anything that you guys need for a fantasy football perspective. And of course, you can email the show directly, mdsfantasyfootball at gmail.com. So I'm very excited to get in today's episode with you guys. And, you know, just a quick little tidbit here. Like I said, this is going to be a standard draft. So, you know, no no points per reception in this one. It's going to be a 12-team league. We're going to go over it. And we're going to really get into, dive into, and see exactly where these rankings match up. And I'm even going to give you a little bit of peek behind the curtain. I'm even going to flash you uh, my Excel book that I use for the rankings as far as that goes. Just kind of give you guys a see how many numbers, how many things go into uh, these rankings to try to give you the best accurate accurate idea that we possibly can going into the season the best reasonable expectation because that's what that's what preseason rankings that's what projections are when you're talking about the pre-draft process for your fantasy football leagues it's the most reasonable expectation and because of the different variables that go into that so without further ado we're going to go ahead and we're going to get started on this mock draft here in a second i already kind of have it set up so, I mean, one of the things I do like to use, I have no affiliation with Fantasy Pros or their Draft Wizard, but I do like using it quite a bit because you can kind of, you know, you can just randomize it. You can you can put all your custom stats into it. And plus, you can always get kind of do a mock draft like on the fly and get in and out of it. So that's why I like to use this, uh, especially doing it for these shows uh, in particular. But we're going to do, like I said, do 12 teams. We're going to do the fifth pick. We're going to pick from around the middle of the draft just so we can give you guys a better understanding of what value is looking like in each and every round. Uh, and then behind the curtain as to what we're going to do with the Excel sheet. And you can see the Excel rankings. I'm going to flip over here to the draft uh, and just give you like a little little peek back and forth. So that's what it's going to look like when we flip back to the rankings to see what players are available on the top of my board. And we're going to talk about that as we uh, go along. But here we go. So mock draft is underway. And right off the bat, of course, we got the pick five. So, obviously, as you would expect, um, guys coming off the board, Chris McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Thomas, all off the board here. Here's what my tip is going to be as far as those players that went off beforehand. Obviously, I have no problem with McCaffrey, Barkley, or Ezekiel Elliott. But in a standard league, there is no reason why Michael Thomas should be going in the top five of picks here. Absolutely no reason at all. Uh, when we actually take a look here at the rankings that we have available for you guys, Michael Thomas, number nine. He's still a first-rounder, but when you're talking about a standard league, you're already talking about an amplified value to the running back 
as it is. There's no reason why you don't take Alvin Kamara or Dalvin Cook over Michael Thomas. If you want to make the argument for Joe Mixon or an argument with Miles Sanders with Michael Thomas there, I can understand that. I have him a little bit below those guys. But you're talking about a guy who, even if he has a record-breaking year like he did last year, even with my stats of having him as a reasonable expectation of 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns, if you're not getting points for those receptions, you simply do not match up to the overall volume that these superstar running backs are looking at down the road between the receiving, between the rushing, the amount of times the ball is going to be in their hands, the offenses that a lot of these guys are in, especially when you're talking about the top, I want to say, six running backs, quite frankly, there's no reason Michael Thomas should be going in the top five. That's where his ADP is. Now, later in the first round, absolutely. So I just kind of wanted to be able to make uh, that point before we go ahead and take our pick. That's the other thing about the uh, the draft wizard that I do like is that you can set it to uh, no clock. So that way you can really kind of dive into what your pick is going to be and why. Now, if you didn't see it on there, our number one pick, our number one available player, I should say, uh, available here is Derrick Henry. He is my number three running back overall in standard leagues only. Now we get to half point, full point PPR. I have him teetering on that bottom half of the first round. But for standard leagues, we're talking about a guy we know he's going to get 300 carries. Even if he only winds up getting about, I don't know, 20 some receptions or so, I have him I have him for about 28 receptions on the year. That would be enough to get him, we're talking about maybe 1,600 total yards. We know he's going to get double-digit touchdowns rushing the football. And yes, while Conklin is out, while they've had some issues in that offensive line, this is still a team that is built around Derrick Henry. And having Ryan Tannehill helps. Even if Ryan Tannehill is not the quarterback that he was a year ago. His mobility, his RPO ability, the way that offense is built, it is designed where the offensive line doesn't always have to be on their A game for Derrick Henry to still be able to get production, get holes, and get down the field. And we know for a big guy, he's a, he can make a big play. And that's the other thing about Derrick Henry. While he's going to get 20 carries, he also has that possibility of popping a 75-yard rush at any given moment. So that's why we like Derrick Henry so much, especially for standard leagues. Now, obviously, his ceiling's a bit limited when you're talking about half-point and full-point PPR because I don't expect him to get much more than 30 catches out there. So that's something you're going to have to keep in mind. But like I said, for this, we are definitely going Derrick Henry as he is my number three running back. Uh, on the board so as soon as my computer actually lets me draft him we'll be able to move on now all of a sudden we're having technical difficulties right um and i'll do it that way there we go so now coming up like i said we got the fifth pick coming up in the second round trying to find a way to look at this a little bit better um yeah, guys, like, following right after us, you know, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Devontae Adams, Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, Tyree Kill, Julio Jones, uh, DeAndre, Nick Chubb, Chris Godwin, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Patrick Holmes, Travis Kelsey, Kenny Galladay. All those guys are people that I very much value in that area, so there's nothing out of the craziness there. I want to talk to you guys a little bit about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire real quick, especially from, like I said, we're doing this from a standard league perspective, which... You know, can give guys 
some more or less value the, in, in that situation, depending on what type of back they are. Now, Clyde edwards Hilaire, obviously everyone knows he's going to be a much more valuable asset when it comes to half-point and full-point PPR leagues. And if you look here at our rankings, you can see that we have Clyde edwards Hilaire 21st overall in the standard league format only. Now, he's in 13-15, I believe, in half-point and full-point PPR leagues. But we still have him outside that top 10 when it comes down to it. And I've talked about this uh, in several different places. I've talked about some other things here with people that have asked me this question time and time again. I have him as RB15 in standard leagues, um, which is why doesn't he belong in the top 10? Why doesn't he belong at five or six where some people are taking him now? And the reason he doesn't belong there is he's not on the same level playing field from a talent perspective as a lot of these other guys. And I don't think there's anybody out there who would argue with me that he has more talent than Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook. Those six guys are of the bat. I don't think anybody can argue he has more talent. I don't think anybody can argue with me that Joe Mixon ha- doesn't have more talent than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Or even, I'll say, Miles Sanders, quite frankly, having more talent than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And all of those guys are in situations where they are looking like they are going to get more volume and are in decent offenses. Even take Joe Mixon, for instance, here. Joe Mixon is somebody we all know is a superstar talent, but has been held back by his offense. Well, that offense should be vastly improved. And I'm not just talking about because of Joe Burrow and what he may bring, but that offensive line should be better. They should be healthier. They're developing a little bit more. Jay Green should be back. John Ross is back. Zach Taylor should be able to actually run the offense that he wants to run this season. So these are all factors that come into this that, to me, shows that they have a much higher ceiling than a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire does. He's on a great offense. His skill set fits that offense perfectly. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But you're talking about a guy who has one gear. He ran, he ran a 4-6-40. This is not a guy who shows a second gear when he gets out in the open field. Uh, for instance, Kareem Hunt ran about a 4-6-40 when he came out as well. But the difference between Kareem Hunt and a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is that, one, Kareem Hunt's a little bit bigger, uh, so he bounces off of tacklers a little bit easier too. But the big thing is that when they're out in the open field, Kareem Hunt, while running a 4-6, has a second gear that he can go to when he's out in the open field on tape. You can see it. when you're. It, it's that you're being chased mentality. Can you kick it to the next or notch? They have that. Clyde Edwards-Lair does not. He has one speed. One speed only. There's no there's no change of pace. There's no. There's none of that. It's one speed. Now, he's elusive. He's very balanced, so he can make guys. He's not a game breaker. And that's a big reason why, and I think I've talked about this before, but that's a big reason why I like Damien Williams to really share a lot of work with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire going into this season, which is why I was not a big Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fan until Damien Williams opted out. And that was because Damien Williams is a much better game breaker, a much better playmaker. Uh, and got an, an offense is built around explosive pieces. He fits that mold a little bit better. So my thing with Clyde Edwards-Lair, he's going to be a great safety net. He's going to be able to definitely get the job done. He's going to get most of the work. But I highly question if he's going to get 200 carries this season. So it's going to come down to, are you going to get 90 receptions, which is perfectly possible. But if he doesn't get that, we're talking about a guy who might get a total less than 250 touches, which doesn't put him anywhere near those other guys that we mentioned going in the first round. 
even includes in Miles Sanders. I think Miles Sanders and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire might be very similar when it comes to a talent level, but the volume staring Miles Sanders in the face right now, especially since the uh, Philadelphia Eagles have not brought in another veteran, just tells me that he is in for at least 300 total touches between carrying the ball and receiving the ball. So I just want to touch on that. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire belongs in the second round. I think him in this draft going there makes a lot of sense. I think it's at, at value. So there's nothing here that I would actually go off. But I'm warning you guys, do not take him in the first round. Don't take him in the top five or six. You are not looking at somebody who actually has the potential, I believe, to finish at top five in his position this season, especially when you're talking, remember, talking standard leagues because this is a standard mock draft. So I know I'm a little bit long on that one, but I want to stress that point because that's something that's been a big issue out there right now in the fantasy industry is where does this guy go? Now, back to our actual pick here, and the guy we have ranked right after him is Miles Sanders. Just talked about him a little bit, the amount of volume that he's looking at, a good offensive line. Remember, they brought back Jason Peters. They had, Lane Johnson's just got activated off the COVID list. He's good to go. And this should be a pretty good offense all in all. They're going to have some issues at receiver, which only helps Miles Sanders. That's just more volume that they're going to be dumping the ball down to Miles Sanders like they did a season ago in the passing game on top of it. Uh, Boston Scott, he might come in a few times, but he's not going to steal a significant amount of work from Sanders. Corey Clement, we already know what he is. He's a backup at this point. There's nobody to challenge him for his touches. So Sanders is going to get the opportunity to be a featured back. And that's why here in the second round, I actually view him as a steal because I wouldn't mind taking him at the bottom of the first here. So we're going to go ahead and draft with Miles Sanders. Leading up after that, now. Coming back out. Ooh. So close. So, wait, no, I take that back. Todd Gurley is available. So, this is a great teaching point right here. Now, I don't care what scoring format you're in. This season, and a lot of people have been talking about this, so if you listen to really any fantasy football podcast or any fantasy analysis going into this draft season, you should pretty much be getting this advice from almost everybody. And that is zero running back is a thing of the past as far as this year is concerned. There's so much value at the wide receiver position, so much value, that you have to pound running back early. Because once you get past that five or six round area, there is a huge drop off with talent. There's a huge drop off with guys that you can expect a certain amount of volume out of. And then all of a sudden, it's a lot of question marks after that as far as what you're going to see on a week to week basis. So keeping that in mind, it is big to hammer running back early. Does that mean you're probably not going to get a top-notch wide receiver one or a top-notch tight end one? Yeah, that's probably what that means. But I don't care. You got to pound running back early because you're going to wind up with a really good team. If running, if you have top running backs as the core of your team in the first three rounds, or maybe even the first four. You are going to be set up really well to have stable consistency throughout the season. You're going to have a strength where a lot of people are going to have a weakness because not everybody's going to pound running back that first three rounds like you should. And then, like I said, you're going to be able to find the re- value at receiver. So while you might not have a top-notch wide receiver one, you very well should be able to get very good receiver twos throughout your lineup and be able to play mismatches. And that's where it comes into roster construction. That's where we're going to look into guys that are consistent and try to pair them up with some guys that are explosive. So you can receiver one, uh, you know, production weeks in certain matchups and be able to play based on that. 
So that's kind of what the strategy we're going to be looking at here. And this is a prime example because it's setting up perfectly the way with the board, right? Full point PPR leagues. I'm waiting until the third round, ideally the fourth round before I would ever even consider a quarterback. And even then, I'm only considering Lamar or Patrick Mahomes if one of those two are still on the board. Meaning, most likely, I'm not going to wind up with them because they are going pretty much in the early third round, late second round in almost any kind of scoring format draft. And I think that's too early when you're talking about half point, full point PPR. But in standard leagues... If you are so inclined to go quarterback, or specifically if you're so inclined to go Lamar Jackson, the value is there in standard leagues. Uh, just because, you know, like I said, you don't get those extra points for the receivers. It's very heavily weighted towards the running backs. And when you have a quarterback who's basically an RB1 who can also get you throwing production, especially in a standard league, he can be a big advantage. And that's what you want in your fantasy football drafts. You want to take guys that you know can be an advantage, a huge advantage at their position. And even if Lamar doesn't have the record-breaking season that he did last year, his floor of what we can expect this season is still higher than pretty much everybody else's ceiling going into the year with the exception of Patrick Mahomes, which is why he is our QB1. And if you look here on the rankings, we have him overall, we have him at QB16, which is about where he wound up going in this draft. So we're right in line with kind of how this draft is going thus far. So I just kind of wanted to speak to that a little bit because it's always a big question, you know, where do you take Lamar? Where do you take Mahomes? And that that's kind of what I'm looking at when it comes to those guys. So I just wanted to speak to that real quickly. So like I said, after that, you had Kenyon Drake, Austin Eckler came off the board, Aaron Jones, George Kittle, OBJ, Chris Carson, Mike Evans. Now, Chris Carson was a little bit early for where we would have him go there uh, for a couple of reasons. One, we know that he probably is a guy who's in line to miss a couple of games. Now, it's not it's not an overdraft. I don't want to make it sound like it was a complete overdraft because it wasn't. Um, we do have Chris Carson graded in the third round, just not to the late third round. Uh, but we only projected him for 14 games. I think everybody can have that as a reasonable expectation for him. I think if you have Chris Carson, it would probably be smart to take a Carlos Hyde later on, uh, which kind of, to me, can dampen a value of a guy that you're taking early if you feel like you need to take a handcuff. You don't have to, of course. But I would feel better about it if I locked down the Seattle run game rather than I have Chris Carson I hope that he just stays healthy from week to week because otherwise you can kind of leave it up the air for somebody else to grab a Carlos Hyde and then they steal the Seattle running game out from under you, which is very productive. So it's guys like that where I would need to consider it later on. And then therefore, it kind of takes a little bit of a hit on their value for, for me in particular, just to speak to that. But as far as our pick goes here, what we're looking at, like I said, we're going to pound running back again. Now, this next pick is going to be one that I think a lot of people are. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash teamready. Going to question, 
right? I mean, now that we have it in the third round, not so much, but more so wanted to make the point of where we actually have him ranked. And even though we're here, we're sitting here in the third round, I would have taken this guy in the second round had Miles Sanders not been there. And I'm talking about Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley is a guy who's getting heavily, heavily, for the second year in a row, heavily uh, undervalued by a lot of people out there. They are reading too much in his knee injury. I don't understand why last year was not proof that the knee injury is not as significant as everybody has tried to make it out to be. He played 15 of 16 games, and the only game he missed was because of a quad bruise, not because of a knee issue, not because the arthritis flared up, not because he lost. No, he played pretty much an entire season, and the knee never kept him off the field. And everyone's like, well, his production was down. He still scored double-digit touchdowns. He was still a high in RB2 on what I think everyone can agree was a Rams offense that, in general, was not the same offense it had ever been, was not the same efficient offense, was not the same scoring type of offense, therefore taking away some opportunities, and most importantly, had one of the worst offensive lines in all of football last season. That's the most important attribute to take out of that. Now, Here's what I keep hearing about Todd Gurley. Well, everybody wants to say, well, while Atlanta's offense, they do expect to be better than what the Rams were last season, which means if you're counting that, that you should at least recognize that Todd Gurley minimum is a high-end RB2 because you know he's going to score double-digit touchdowns and an offense is going to be in the red zone that often and a guy who has shown time and time again, even in years like with Jeff Fisher where he didn't have great production, still can get double-digit touchdowns, still knows how to score the football. So he should still know that his floor is still going to be a high-end RB2. But I keep hearing that his ceiling is still going to be about the same that it was last year because the offensive line of Atlanta is so bad. People who are telling you that are not paying attention to what's actually going on in Atlanta or are not recognizing the talent they had last year or should have had last year was widely injured. Lindstrom is a hell of a football player. They get him back. They've made upgrades throughout this offseason. This offensive line should be a lot better, especially heading into the second year of the system, getting more used to the zone scheme, which is up right up Todd Gurley's alley to begin with. Yes, this offensive line of Atlanta is not going to be bad. And even if they're a middle-of-the-road offensive line, which I think they should be at least, because I don't think people realize how good their young talent is on that offensive line, that they have addressed it in a pretty significant way, that'll still be a major improvement over the type of bottom-third offensive line that he had last season with the Rams. So that's it's automatically, at the very least, an improvement from what he had, an improvement on offense, which always helps out the running back position. My next point that I'm going to make with Todd Gurley, why I'm so high on him, why he's my number 10 running back in standard leagues. I Well, actually, I should say my 10th player overall, my ninth running back in standard leagues, is that because he signed a one-year contract, because he signed a one-year contract, the Atlanta Falcons are have, have no financial investment in the guy if he gets hurt. So for them, while they are, he had the report come out, you know, earlier today that they are limiting him through training camp a little bit yeah it's a preseason running back what what starting running back in the nfl ever has a full workload throughout training camp and throughout preseason none none nobody it gets inflated because it's todd Gurley and everybody's worried about the knee but what running back ever gets a full workload none they want them fresh for week one and from all indications when he does the drills he, everyone's saying how fast he looks. Everyone's saying how in shape he looks. Everyone's saying how explosive he looks. 
And because they have no financial investment in the guy, they have absolutely no reason, once the games start, come week one, to not run him in the ground all season long until he can handle it. Regardless of what you think of the backups, the Falcons have made it clear they have faith in Ito Smith. They have faith in Brian Hill. So why, why hold back Todd Gurley? You saw the Rams last season. They tried to make their playoff run. They tried to get back into the race by handing the ball off to Todd Gurley 23 times a game, even though they couldn't make any headway because their offensive line was so bad. But even just doing that made their entire offense better. And they finally took the training wheels off. They finally stopped trying to limit him. They finally stopped trying to save him for nothing, for no reason. But that's because they had a financial investment in him at the time. The Atlanta Falcons don't have that. If something happens to them, they're not on the hook for anything. So with a one-year contract, there's nothing for them to fear to just give Todd Gurley the ball whenever they want to. So I think Todd Gurley is in line for a lot more volume. The last point I'm going to make is that to that volume point, at the very minimum, as long as he is better utilized or more utilized, I should say, in the receiving game, there's absolutely no reason on the planet Earth that Todd Gurley will not at least be a low-end RB1 come next year. Remember, this guy finished as a high-end RB2 last season, and he barely was ever thrown the ball, which has always been a big aspect of Todd Gurley's game. He's always been a guy that you knew was a true third three-down back, was a guy who's going to get just as much, not just as much, but a good amount of receptions, a good amount of receiving yards to help amplify his rushing ability, giving him one of the highest floors in fantasy football and a big reason why he finished the RB1 two years in a row. As long as the Atlanta Falcons actually throw him the ball occasionally, because occasionally it would be more than the Rams did, he's going to have a much higher floor than he did last season and a much higher ceiling to boot. And I have him getting 55 receptions this season with 426 yards and 3-4 to four receiving touchdowns. That production alone should make him an RB1 going into this year. So that's all to say why the argument for Todd Gurley needs to be made and people need to stop fearing it. So Todd Gurley is our pick here uh, in the third round. All right, well, before we get into the fourth round here, I do want to talk to you guys about a great sponsor of the show that we're really excited for. We're going to have them on the show uh, once we get into the season a little bit, have them come on as guests because we're doing a special edition DFS episode uh, throughout the year. I don't know if it's going to be every week yet, but it's going to be throughout the year to help you guys out with your DFS, DraftKings, or FanDuel lineups. But they are called the DFS Doctors, daily fantasy sports experts guiding you to be a winner in the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB. The DFS Doctors are a team with seven plus years of experience in DFS who conduct comprehensive data analysis using advanced metrics to provide you with high quality FanDuel and DraftKings lineups. Their goal is for you to win big without having to spend the hours researching yourself. And now if you use the promo code BELLYUP, you will get 15% off your next subscription. So check them out at the DFS Doctors on Twitter and DM them there or check them out on CouchSmackSports.com. And remember, promo code BELLYUP for 15% off your next lineup. All right, so getting back to the draft, we're heading into round four here, as you guys can all see. Uh, let's see, we came off the board. So after we take off Todd Gurley, we had a slew of receivers come off, like A.J. Brown and Amari Cooper and Juju Smith-Schuster and D.J. Moore. We even had Mark Andrews come off the board. We had the third tight end came off off the board before Zach Ertz here. Uh, something to keep in mind. And then also Adam Thielen, Jonathan Taylor. So let's talk about Jonathan Taylor real quick because he comes off the board here at the uh, third round, pick 11. He doesn't belong there. 
And I'm not going to go into too much detail about Jonathan Taylor because we are going to talk about him at length. I actually probably went into too much detail to talk early because we're going to be talking about him again tomorrow's show. Uh, but we're going to talk about Jonathan Taylor as well. He does not belong there. Now, we already had the report earlier that Marlon Mack is the starter heading into for week one. Now, that does obviously does, doesn't mean he's going to get 15, 18 carries. No, absolutely not. He, we, we all know this is going to be a split. The problem is that even if you're of the mindset that at some point Jonathan Taylor takes over the job from Marlon Mack with, without there being an injury or a trade, which I still don't know that technically happens, but let's say for argument's sake that it does. You still have the factor that Naeem Hines is going to be involved in the offense, guys. You still have that. You still Frank Reich, Phillip Rivers have all come out and said Naeem Hines is going to be part of their passing game, is going to be their specialized third down back. So if you have Marlon Mack and you have Jonathan Taylor splitting carries and neither one of them are going to be in on the passing down because you're bringing in another guy to handle that role, everyone becomes a specialty player. Nobody gets enough volume to really ever be a high-end RB2 or even have the possibility of being an RB1. He becomes nothing more than a hope and a prayer, a big play or bust flex guy. And therefore, going in the third round, which has been happening quite consistently, is too high. We're going to go into more detail about that in tomorrow's show when we talk about the best five, bust five, sleeper five running backs uh, for this season for redraft leagues, though. But I just wanted a quick comment about that, seeing him come off the third round again here. And then we had a bunch of running backs and receivers kind of flip-flopping. We had Leonard Fournette, Allen Robinson, Mark Ingram, Cooper Cup, Melvin Gordon, Cortland Sutton, David Johnson, all guys that are are about valued in that round four. Nothing too drastic up or down, even compared to our rankings. I will say about Cooper Cup, uh, he is somebody who we have ranked pretty highly um, in uh, more high on others than when it comes to Cooper Cup. We have him as wide receiver eight, even in standard league. So I have him as a locked in wide receiver one in this season so if you're getting a locked in wide receiver one in the fourth round uh you're doing something right there so i just kind of wanted to comment to that as well now we're looking at our pick so we've gone three running backs in a row and remember this this league sets up we have you know there's two running backs a flex two receivers a tight end a quarterback defense kicker seven bench spots so we have our two running backs and our flex essentially in the first three rounds so now we got to look at well, what are some other positions? But what's some what's some value here at the uh, at the same time? And as we scroll down the list, we got guys like Calvin Ridley, we got guys like Robert Woods, we got guys like James Conner, and we got guys like Tyler Lockett. Now I'm going to flip real quick to you guys to see the rankings here, so you can see where we have uh, some of these guys at. And this is the next guy that I really want to be able to talk about, and that's Tyler Lockett. We have Tyler Lockett, 28th overall in standard leagues. We, I should, it's just me. I, I just me doing the show, me doing these rankings. You can see here, Tyler Lockett right here, 28th and wide receiver seven, right after Kenny Galladay. So for the MD's fantasy football show, for MD Nation, as far as you guys are concerned, Tyler Lockett is one hell of a value here in the. Uh, fourth round and this is a big reason why I'm saying pound running back early because I believe you can find guys who at the very least if you don't believe Tyler Lockett's a wide receiver one I don't think there's anybody out there who can't make the argument that they at least recognize he has the potential to be a wide receiver one even if you don't agree with those rankings just based on the simple fact that before he got injured last season and before he was a little bit nicked up with the leg through the first 11 weeks of the season he was, he was a top five wide receiver in fantasy football. 
plain and simple. So he was a wide receiver one until he got a little bit dicked up, and then they started going DK Metcalf's way. And he, he played a little bit of a decoy for the, for the next couple of weeks after that bye week because he wasn't quite right. And this is I, all I keep hearing over and over again is that, well, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf can't be that highly productive if the Seahawks don't throw the ball more. But they were both highly productive last year with the amount of attempts that they had to begin with. So, so what are we talking about? I mean, I have Russell Wilson for 523 attempts this season. That's not a lot. That's not a lot. That's on the lower end right there. But yet that's still plenty of production. Plenty of production. You want to see what they were last season? We could pull that up for you. Last year, they threw the ball 516 times. So I have them only throwing the ball an extra seven times. And yet both of them were productive off of that last season. Russell Wilson is highly efficient when it comes to getting touchdowns per per attempt basis. More efficient than any other quarterback in the NFL when it comes to that particular stat, which to me just opens up the door for the wide receivers. That they don't need a ton of volume to be highly productive. To me, Tyler Lockett, if he didn't get hurt, him and Kenny Galladay would have both been the big surprises. Kenny Galladay finishes wide receiver three. Tyler Lockett would have been in the top five wide receivers last year had he not gotten injured and been a decoy for those last few weeks. Plain and simple to make that point. So for us, it's a no-brainer. It's Tyler Lockett here, and I feel like we just walked away with a wide receiver one. Now, all of a sudden, I feel like I got three running backs and a wide receiver one that just came off the board here in the fourth round. We're doing just fine. Now, I was hoping here, uh, I was hoping, or no, he is there. All right, so we're going to get to that in a minute. So after Lockett, we had Cam Akers come off the board. Again, another guy that we really shouldn't talk about too much until tomorrow's show, but we're going to get into that. But I'm just going to lead with also big time mistake. Cam Akers doesn't belong that high. We're going to talk about that more in tomorrow's show. Make sure you check it out. Um. Now next, after that, we had James Conner. We had Le'Veon Bell come off. Devontae Parker, Deshaun Watson, uh, Terry McLaurin, DeAndre Swift. Also a little bit high for DeAndre Swift, but again, another player. Well, actually, we're not going to talk about DeAndre Swift tomorrow. We can talk about him now. Yeah, round five for DeAndre Swift is a little bit high. Um. Now, I think of all the rookies, I think he actually, besides Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, that is, I think he has the most clear picture path as to what his expected volume can be. Uh, because I think it's going to be 50-50 split. I think you're going to see DeAndre Swift and Carrion Johnson rotate on a series-by-series basis. I think you're going to see DeAndre Swift get a little more work in the passing game while Carrion Johnson gets a little more work on first and second downs and maybe a little bit more towards the goal line. That, in particular especially the goal line work will hurt DeAndre Swift to some degree when it comes to standard leagues, especially. So I, we don't have him anywhere near uh, round five. Oh, sorry. I didn't realize I had the extra picture up here. So this is how the draft board has looked so far after our next pick. So just so you guys get an idea here, we'll flip back here. DeAndre Swift is, uh, let me pull it up. As far as our running back goes, DeAndre Swift is our running back 29. Uh, in our overall rankings, though, he comes down, and we have him at, if I can find it, 
83 overall. So the fifth round is a bit high because we're talking more like the eighth, ninth round. Because the other factor that you have to take into consideration is not only do I think that unless on Johnson gets hurt, at no point is DeAndre Swift going to completely overtake the position in a majority significant way. But, but, I forgot what I was going to say, but <laughs> I, I got it back now. Um, we do think he, we, he's going to get a good amount of work and be a 50-50 split all the way through. So there's going to be value there, but he's going to be more of a flex guy. And with the Detroit Lions, this is also a team that doesn't always have the greatest rushing production to begin with anyway. There's a pass-first team. The ball is going to flow through Matthew Stafford. He's going to throw through Kenny Galladay. He's going to go through Melvin Jones. And then the running back positions is still a bad offensive line. Which is why I do think DeAndre Swift definitely has more value than carry on Johnson, even if Johnson maybe winds up out carrying DeAndre Swift by the end of the year, uh, if he's able to stay healthy. Because the, the passing game, the check down, I think is going to be there for DeAndre Swift. And I think he's better suited for a bad offensive line to be able to make something happen than carry on Johnson is. But the fifth round is just, fifth round is just a little bit too high. But of all the rookies that are going, I think DeAndre Swift is the smartest one because he's the only one that I think truly has a clear-cut path to what he's going to be able to do. So just to kind of give you guys an idea there. So back over to the draft board here to kind of show you what we're looking at. Now, we have you know we have three running backs. We have a receiver. We go to our rankings. We're looking down the list. And the next guy on top of our list is the tight end, Zach Ertz. And right here in the fifth round, especially if you're in leagues that need to use a tight end, Zach Ertz, to me, is a steal. First of all, he's my tight end three. I have him one spot ahead of Mark Andrews, right? And the other aspect of this is that I don't see why Zach Ertz is in line to get this big decrease in in, in production and volume in particular. And that's where a lot of people kind of have him dropping because a lot of people have him in that area where they expect him to just kind of drop a little bit. But that's not going to be the case. Alshon Jeffrey's going to start on the pup list for the first six weeks of the season. So he he's gone. He's out. J.J. Arcega Whiteside has to come in. We don't know what he is. He tried to come in last year. No one even saw him on the field. You didn't even realize he was on the field. You have Deshaun Jackson, big explosive guy, nice. Jalen Rager's going to be, supposedly as of now, just backing him up. We don't know if Jalen Rager's going to start week one. In fact, it sounds more and more like that might not be the case because if J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is going to take Alshon Jeffrey's spot on the outside, Deshaun Jackson, the other guy, from what we've heard, Greg Ward is leading the way as far as being the starting slot receiver week one. So Jalen Rager might just be Deshaun's backup at least for the first couple of weeks. We'll see what happens there, see how much he gets worked in and everything like that, obviously. He's He's going to play to some degree early on. But the point more being is that with guys like Deshaun Jackson and Jalen Rager, with the, the 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 type of receivers they are, with Greg Ward and his limited talent, with J.J. Orsega-Whiteside and, and all the question marks that come with him about what he's really going to be able to do, once again, we are going into the season with Zach Ertz really being the most reliable weapon for Carson Wentz. And even if Dallas Goddard gets a good amount of work, Let's look back last year. They both finished as tight end one. Zach Ertz still finished as a top three tight end. Why couldn't that happen again? Especially, and everyone, everyone's arguments like, well, the receivers aren't as depleted. Eh, they're one more injury away from being almost as depleted as they were last season. Zach Ertz is going to be the most trusted volume target Carson Wentz has going into week one. 
especially with Alshon gone. Plain and simple. The first six weeks is going to be like that. And then who knows how long Deshaun can stay healthy. So I don't see the volume for Zach Ertz disappearing here. And that's why we take him there. I think he's a great value there. You get a tight end one. You get a guy who I think truly could be a top three at his position at the fifth round. And you match it up and you have a nice core of running backs. You have your receiver one. You have your tight end. And now all of a sudden you're cooking. Now all of a sudden you're cooking. So now we head in the sixth round. We had guys like Robert Woods and David Montgomery come off. DK Metcalf, Dak Prescott, Devin Singletary, Keenan Allen, Kyler Murray, which I think was too high. There's a lot of quarterbacks here going too high. So here I'll make that quick point since we're doing mock jazz and we're talking strategy. Um, third, fourth round, we talked about it. You know, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. We would consider guys like that a we would consider guys like that um such an advantage at their position that the third, fourth round makes sense, even though there's a lot of value at quarterback later on. But after that, I don't think there's another reason I don't think there's a reason to take another quarterback until somewhere between the seventh, eighth round. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And our, our third guy off the board in particular is Dak Prescott. I mean, he, he, went, he went QB4 here uh, right after Sean Watson, who went QB3 in this particular draft. So we're pretty much right there. But that's the guy that we would have third. I don't have the seventh, eighth round because there's so much value at quarterback that if you're sitting there in the fifth round, I don't think it's worth it to take it to Sean Watson, worth it to even take Dak necessarily in the fifth, worth it to take a Kyler Murray, or worth it to take a Russell Wilson in the sixth round. When you can get different guys... And we'll, we'll take a look at it here and throw up the rankings for you guys so you can kind of take a look at what we have valued at. When you have guys like, so when you have guys like Drew Brees, who we have for a massive amount of touchdowns and a very good, efficient offense this year. We have Tom Brady, who we all know the weapons that he has. Matt Ryan going into an even year with the weapons that he has. Carson Wentz, Cam Newton, who we're going to talk about, we've talked about last week's episode in the Sleeper 5 Quarterbacks you have Cam Newton, who we expect to run a lot if he gets to be the week one starter, which I expect him to, to, to be. There's a lot of value. And all of these guys that I just mentioned are probably going to go into double-digit rounds. So I'm not taking guys like Deshaun Watson, who we have QBA anyway, because losing DeAndre Hopkins is not an upgrade. I don't know why everyone is acting like Deshaun Watson losing DeAndre Hopkins suddenly makes him a more valuable fantasy football player, because it doesn't. I, in, what, in what way does losing one of the superstar wide receivers make you a better fantasy football player? The only argument that anybody gives to me is that, well, he's just going to run more. He's already been running quite a bit. And yeah, he's going to be a QB1, 
but he's not going to have better passing numbers this year. They've already thrown the ball a lot. There's already been a ton of volume. It's not like his volume is going to drastically increase because the defense is so bad this year. It's been bad for a while. The only difference is that now when he drives back to throw the ball, he's not going to have his bread and butter to go to. And if you're expecting this top of the Will, talk about guys who are always going to be injured, Will Fuller's right up that list. How many games are you not going to have Will Fuller? How many games are you just going to have Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb out there? So I don't understand why Deshaun Watson has this bump in fantasy purposes right now after losing DeAndre Hopkins. It makes absolutely no sense. But back to our draft. So we're in the sixth round. We got a tight end, we got a receiver, we got three running backs. We're looking around, we're just looking for value. Whenever you're drafting, always look for your best value. Plain, plain and simple. And we're pulling up, I'll show you guys again our rankings here a little bit so you can kind of look at what we're, we're, we're checking out here. Go to our all. Seeing what's available. And they're laying this out kind of weird. So I'm having a little bit, if you can bear with me, I'm having a little bit of a trouble actually like reading uh, what they have available at the moment because they're kind of doing this in a very odd, odd way. So looking at overall, and what I'm seeing right now is I believe AJ Green would be the highest on our board available at this moment. Yes. Yes, he would. We have AJ Green 46 overall. We, we want to take that chance. We want to take that. Actually, I take that break. Brandon Cooks would actually be our number one player here. Because Brandon, and so speaking to Deshaun Watson, Brandon Cooks, we truly believe there's no reason why he's not the wide receiver one. And I'm not just talking about volume by the end of the year because Will Fuller got hurt. He winds up being their wide receiver one. I'm talking about when everyone's healthy and on the field, let's say week one. There's no reason to me why Brandon Cooks, who's always been, with the exception of last year because of the concussion issues, has always been a 1,000-yard-a-year receiver, who's always been a, a number one guy, no matter where he's gone, no matter what situation he's been in, has always been a highly productive guy. There's no reason why his veteran savviness, and even with the concussion issues last year, a much more dependable player from a week-to-week basis, staying healthy than Will Fuller is, why he's not going to be the number one wide receiver of the Houston Texans. You can line him up all over the field. He already has some familiarity because Bill O'Brien's system is not drastically different. The terminology is not drastically different from Josh McDaniels and New England Patriots. And therefore, when you break it down, it, Brandon Cooks it should be that number one guy. And like I said, the big factor is that I'm not nearly worried about him as much as I am Will Fuller being injured. So that's what we're looking at when it comes to this. That's what we're looking at. But having said all that, even though Brandon Cooks technically is a couple spots ahead of A.J. Green for us in this instance as far as overall players being available, uh, we have him at 43, A.J. Green at 46, there's a pretty good chance that we're going to be able to wait until the next round for Brandon Cooks to come off the board because his ADP is so much lower. And there's a lot of people out there who prefer, prefer Will Fuller over Brandon Cooks to begin with. So there's a decent chance here that we could take A.J. Green and still have Brandon Cooks come back to us in the next round, and we're going to feel like we just walked away with two top two wide receivers. So we're going to try that now. Now, the other point is to talk about A.J. Green, who's actually going to beat our pick we are big on A.J. Green here on the show. We are big on taking chances when it makes sense. 
So if you take, we're going to take the draft here at AJ Green. We're going to see if we can get um, Brandon Cooks to follow us or not. And he did. So instantly we're going to take Brandon Cooks, and then we're going to we're going to catch you up on why this was such a great pick, such a great moment for 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 our rankings and what kind of value that we're able to get out of it. And now, especially for roster construction as well too. Um. So we take Brandon Cooks here. We're going to watch the draft board come off. Now we're I mean now we're cooking. Now we're cooking. We're going to let it come back and we're going to talk about it. All right. So with AJ Green. It makes sense in the sixth round to take the shot here. If you did not have any running backs, let's let's say you went receivers early instead of running backs early like we like we did here. Then AJ Green in the sixth round doesn't make a lot of sense because all you're really doing at that point is taking a guy who has a lot of risk. Yes, he has a lot of reward, but if you're already set at the receiver position, you don't have any running backs, you need to get running backs while you still can because like I talked about, once you hit that sixth round, that's where the big drop off at the running back position as far as expected production goes. Um, so that's why you have to kind of keep that in mind. Now, in this situation where we have three running backs already, that's going to be the core of our team. We have our, our wide receiver one in Tyler Lockett. We have a tight end, Zach Ertz. Now we're looking for guys that we can, that have the potential to be wide receiver ones. And that's what AJ Green has. He has the potential to be a wide receiver one. And everyone knows that as long as he's healthy and on the field, he's always produces a wide receiver one. That, that's no secret. Quarterback position, whether he whether Joe Burrow in his rookie season is better than Andy Dalton was, that could be debatable, but the offensive system is better. The offense in general is better. The offensive line should be better. And like I said, going into this year, A.J. Green has made it his mission, and it's been well documented, to do everything in his power to rework his, his workouts, to put extra preventative measures into his ankles, extra stretches, extra workouts, extra strength building, all kinds that's all he's talked about he's done in this entire year and i think it was a great thing that he actually wound up taking off last year i mean number one what was he going to do for cincinnati anyway that adding aj green to that mix was not going to make that team not be the worst team in the nfl and if anything it would just put his health more on the on the line aj green's not a guy that even at the age of 31 after missing a year of football he's not the type of guy that i'm worried about falling off a cliff he's not the type of guy i'm worried about being done He's the type of guy where if you give him a year off to actually get healthy and be able to rework his body and get back to being conditioned and strengthened going into next season, motivated at that, he could be very dangerous. He's the closest thing in my mind as far as a talent perspective to Julio Jones as there is out there. And Julio Jones, to me, from a pure talent perspective, is the best receiver in the NFL. And A.J. Green, I think, is, is right there when he's healthy, when he's right. And that's what he got to do by taking the year off of football last year, basically. Coming into this season, every poor has been raving about how A.J. Green has worked himself into condition, worked himself into position to be much stronger going into this year, especially when it comes to his ankle injuries than he was a season ago. That's going to continue with A.J. So taking him in the sixth round when we're looking for wide receivers who just had that kind of upside, because we know we're going to take a slew of them here, because we didn't go with them early, makes a lot of sense to take that. You're not putting in a lot of risk for reward here. So AJ Green makes a lot of sense in the sixth round. And then we lucked out. We got Brandon Cooks, who we technically had ranked a little bit higher than AJ Green in the seventh round because of where these guys' ADPs fall. So now we feel like, at the very worst, we have a top 10 wide receiver, and then we have two wide receiver twos, one of whom has top five potential, and Brandon Cooks, who could be a top end wide receiver two potentially. All in offenses, except for Tyler Lockett, who are going to be pass first. 
Seattle is going to be kind of a 50-50 split like they were last season. And in A.J. Green and Brandon Cooks' case, on bad defenses where there should be a little bit of extra volume headed their way. At the very least, we got guys with high floors. So now this team's cooking. Got a tight end one, a receiver one, two top ten receiver twos, and three running backs that we've made the argument for could all finish in the top ten of their position. We're cooking. We're cooking. And we're heading into the eighth round. But before we head into the eighth round, I do have a sponsor that I want to talk to you guys about called PropMe. And PropMe is one of the new gaming platforms out there. They're a lot of fun, highly customizable, and they're really the the first platform of its kind. Uh, PropMe takes, makes betting from person to person more easy than ever, designed for new and experienced gamblers alike using straightforward prop bets that can literally be created on anything. You want to bet on what that next play will be? Then create a prop. You want to bet on who's going to win the game of beer pong? Then create a prop. It takes hanging out with your friends to a whole new level. Join today by downloading the PropMe app or go to PropMeLLC.com. Now we're back to the draft. Now we're back to the eighth round. And right now, we can go any direction we want to go. We have three receivers. We have three running backs. We have our tight end. We can literally keep drafting the best value, which is what we've been doing in the entire draft, and now it's working out. And that's the point. Don't go in with a strategy. I know when I say that, everyone is like, whoa, what do you mean don't go in with a strategy? Your only strategy when going into drafts is draft best value based on your board, whether it's the MD's Fantasy Football Board or an ESPN board, or a Yahoo board, or your own rankings of your own kind, of, of a mixture of everything, or basing off of 80, whatever it is. Whatever it is that you decided you feel confident going into the draft with, hopefully it's the MD's Fantasy Football board on bellyupfantasysports.com. But whatever rankings you go into with your draft with, trust it and draft the best value based on those rankings. The other caveat to have with that is that always, 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 always have a list have the ADP list of the platform you're drafting on. If, you, if you're drafting on ESPN, have ESPN's ADP list. If you're drafting on Yahoo, have Yahoo's ADP list. You don't want a universal ADP consensus list if you're drafting on a particular platform. You want that platform's ADP list because most of the people, especially in your home leagues, which a lot of people are listening to this for, are going to be drafting with guys who are going to be drafting based on that platform's rankings and ADP. So make sure you have that list compare and have that list next to your rankings list that you're using going into the draft yourself. So you can compare it's like instances like that where we went A.J. Green, even though we had him a little bit lower than Brandon Cooks, we went A.J. Green in the sixth round because we knew there's a good chance we could, get a- we could get Brandon Cooks in the seventh round. That's how that works. Just to try to give you guys a little tip there. Now we look over the cheat sheets trying to see what's available at this point. It's getting a little bit tricky, but like I said, we can go in any direction we want to here. We can go with best value available. And I already can tell there's a player up here that we can see that has a lot of value. And I'm going to show you guys in a second because of where we have uh, them ranked. And that would be Mr. Marvin Jones. 51st overall on our board. We have him at wide receiver 20. So we have him as a low-end wide receiver 2. A guy who always gets overlooked as far as the production that he brings week in, week out, season in, season out. Yes, he's a guy who gets injured every so often, but this is a guy who brings you a lot of value. Yes, sometimes it's not always the most consistent. Yes, it's going to be a lot of weeks where you have three touchdowns out of nowhere, and then you might have a couple of weeks where he doesn't give you a whole lot. But as a guy who's going to finish as a wide receiver two almost every single season, as long as he plays you know, two-thirds of the season, as long as he plays maybe 
13 or more games that year, which he usually does, Marvin Jones is going to be a guy that you plug in and you know by the end of the season you had a wide receiver two on your hands. And in this case, in this instance, because his ADP is so low, we're getting a guy that we have ranked at wide receiver 20, 51st overall, and we are going to get him in the eighth round, which is a steal, a steal. He's going to be our wide receiver four. And this is just another uh, example of a guy, of a reason why you have to pound the running back position early because of the value that you can get the wide receiver position. Look at the receivers. Would anybody, if you were, if you were anyone, even if you liked going receiver earlier than we did in this particular mock draft, is there really anyone who's going to be mad at the idea of having Tyler Lockett, AJ Green, Brandon Cooks, Marvin Jones, when you took three running backs to start the draft? Anybody? No. Are you going to compete with most receiving corps in your fantasy football leagues? Yeah. You have a lot of volume there. You have a lot of upside. You have a lot of high floors. You get the combination of everything that you're looking for. Now, after we went Marvin Jones, we had guys like CeeDee Lamb, Zach Moss, which is way too early in the eighth round, Daryl Henderson, John Brown, Christian Kirk, also too early in the ninth round, James White, Darius Slayton, Carrion Johnson coming off. That's about at value. Back to us. Again, we're in position to go any direction we want to. Any direction we want to. We're waiting on quarterback. We're waiting. We know we can get value later on. And after, let's see, the last quarterback taken off the board was Matt Ryan. Daniel Jones went, which, whew, totally missed that. You want to talk, that was probably the overdraft of the draft so far uh, in this mock draft. Daniel Jones going in the seventh round is a joke. That is a joke. We talked at length about Daniel Jones. We talked about how I have him as a bust in last week's episode. We talked about how he's my QB 23 overall. Him going in the seventh round is a joke. And I have to say I'm a little bit surprised right now because quarterbacks are going really early in this mock draft in particular um, as we move here. But we'll continue to wait. We're going to have that value later on. Wait and see. And we're going to have guys that are going to match up with those quarterbacks. But now let's take a look here. Let's see, let's see what's on the board. Like, so we can go in any direction we want to. We have a pretty well-balanced roster. Just a matter of continuing to take the best value available. Now, the only thing I will say here is that because we wound up with a top five tight end, I'm not going to draft a second tight end. Not that most people usually take that as into consideration or take that as what they want to do anyway. But just to kind of make it clear here, if you're going to take a top five tight end, there's no reason to try to take a second tight end and try to platoon. Um, it's just a waste of a roster spot at that point. I kind of believe the same thing at quarterback, unless you're going in with the idea that you're going to stream, then I'm okay with taking two quarterbacks at the end of your draft. Maybe one guy who has a good week one matchup, maybe another guy do you think has uh, the best sleeper type potential heading into the rest of your season if you want to go that route. But otherwise, when it comes to quarterbacks and tight ends, I really only want to take one, and my hope is that I only have to replace them uh, during their bye week because I want as many roster spots as I can possibly have for running backs and wide receivers because that's what you're going to need, especially in a, a COVID-riddled year. That's what we're going to need a lot of to be able to go to if the, if that situation were to present itself. So we're looking at what's available on the board here. And I'm going to switch you guys back to the rankings on this one. And guys that we have available that are also ranked highest on our board. We've got to scroll down pretty far here. A lot of guys came off the board between here and there. So I think this one's available. 
technically here, um, that's one thing we still have to kind of tackle and update is Sony Michelle. Uh, we have him, you know, kind of 71st, but that's also before they made the Lamar Miller signing, before all this uh, talk about them not really being sure if Sony Michelle is going to start on the pup list or not, which is a, a real possibility from, from what we understand. Uh, we haven't really dove into that too much. I've left. Yes, we updated these last night, but I left that the same because until I actually hear Michelle go on the PUP list, uh, I don't really want to change the Patriots rankings running backs too much because a lot of things could be up in the air. We don't know what Lamar Miller has left. We kind of want to see in practice. So that's kind of more of a wait and see uh, situation. Most likely though, when we get closer, he'll be kind of falling down our boards a little bit. Uh, But he he would be the top guy that we would have ranked technically here uh, with all things being equal essentially. So I just kind of want to make that point real quick. Now, as I'm looking through, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that we're going to be looking at wide receiver again. And let's definitely do that because I want to talk about this guy to you guys a little bit because he is another guy who seemingly gets uh, absolutely no love. And that's Emmanuel Sanders. Now they have him here. Uh, Yeah. So this would give us what? This would give us five receivers, five very good receivers, five receiver twos. And we have you guys on the okay, good. We have you guys on the rankings here. We have him at 86 overall as a player. So getting him in the ninth round is about at value, especially in the middle of the ninth round here. So we're drafting him essentially at value according to the MD's fantasy football show board. We have him at wide receiver uh, 37 overall. So just outside of that flex territory within the wide receiver three realm. And the thing about Emmanuel Sanders is this. He's the best number two receiver that the Saints have had in a really long time. And I think that opens up the door. It's why we have Drew Brees as high as we do. It's why we have um it's why we have Alvin Kamara making a bounce back season. It's why Michael Thomas, we don't while we don't have him breaking records like he did a season ago, we also don't look at him as a guy who is going to be able to get shut down or just or just cloud coverage either. And it's gonna be very interesting to see what he can do this season. Manuel Sanders opens up a lot of doors to have that extra wide receiver too, who is a dependable target for this offense going forward. He is that guy. He's the guy who's going to come in there. It's never going to be pretty. It's never going to be huge. He's not going to be that guy who's going to have a ton of 100-yard touchdown or two games. But 50 to 60 yards, 80 yards, a touchdown here and there, is that going to be his game? Yes, absolutely that's going to be his game and a very efficient offense. And is he the deep threat play that he was a few seasons ago? No, he's not. But this idea that he's done or not even remotely close to being the same player, which I've heard a lot of people say, is ridiculous. This was a guy who came back from Achilles' injury early, got traded to a different team halfway through this season, and wound up being the wide receiver one for that team heading to the Super Bowl. Okay, This is a guy who showed that he can play, who showed that he could return, and most importantly... You're going to be a year removed from the Achilles injury. He might look closer to his old self this season than he did a year ago. On top of being on a much better offense in general for him and everybody else involved. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. So Emmanuel Sanders is somebody who has great amount of value, doesn't get talked about. I think he's seriously undervalued in a lot of different situations, which is why I love Emmanuel Sanders there. Now we're heading into round 10. Now, after going, you know, the last, what, five rounds here, we've gone, you know, five receivers or six rounds, I should say, five receivers and a tight end. This is where we're like, all right, we got to get some depth now going back at our running back position or think about maybe taking a quarterback here if we have a QB1 on the board that we really want to stick to. Um, now, we are going to go quarterback here because our QB7 is Tom Brady. I don't know why people are so low on Tom Brady. Tom Brady's been like a, a, a pendulum swing this offseason when it comes to the fantasy industry where a lot of people are super excited about him when he first went to Tampa Bay. Everybody seemed like they were willing to take him in the top five and there was no questions about it. Then it swung back to, well, you know, Tom Brady might be done. We didn't like what we saw last season. This, you know, this, uh, you know, we'll have to, he doesn't fit the Bruce Arian system, yada, 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 yada. Look, I think we can all recognize that the last time Tom Brady truly had weapons, he put up record-breaking numbers. Now, is he that same quarterback from in this point in his career? Probably not. But the notion that he can't throw the ball 20, 25 yards accurately anymore is ridiculous. The, the notion that you need to be a Hail Mary-type quarterback like Jameis Winston was in order to fit Bruce Arians' system is also stupid, retarded, and shows you how completely short-sighted the people who think like that are. Think back to Arizona. Think back to Carson Palmer. What in the hell was Carson Palmer at that point in his career? He wasn't a Hail Mary quarterback. He wasn't he didn't have the arm that he had early on in his in his career. He wasn't launching the ball down the field 50, 60 yards every other pass attempt. That wasn't Carson Palmer anymore. He could attack the intermediate part of the field well. He could attack that 15 to 25 yard aspect of the field very well. Every if you actually go back and check down the tape on Tom Brady, he he can do exactly that still. He didn't lose his velocity when it comes to that range of the field. He didn't lose his his accuracy ability when it comes to that range of the field. And if you think Bruce Arians is just going to make Tom Brady air it out anyway, then then you are blind when it comes to how football works when you get certain guys in certain positions. Bruce Arians is not going to make Tom Brady do something he's not comfortable with. Okay? And then you add the fact that, one, Brady can attack the most important part of the Bruce Arians playbook, which is that intermediate part of the field with weapons like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And I don't care what you think Rob Gronkowski is going to be coming back. Uh, I think we all can recognize that at the very least this is a very athletic tight end who's going to be very heavily utilized in the red zone. At minimum, at minimum, he's going to be effective in that range of the field. If he comes back in decent shape and doesn't have to block as much, is able to come back from that back injury and they're able to save him, and he's able to be effective inside the 20s too... Brady's going to have one-on-one looks everywhere on the field. You give a guy like Tom Brady one-on-one looks everywhere he goes, he's going to torch your defense. I don't care who you are. 
So we have Tom Brady QB7, but I have no hesitation in saying that I believe, I believe Brady definitely, definitely, 100% has QB5 potential. 100%. So that's why we definitely go with Tom Brady there, and I think we're getting him for a steal because I'm getting a QB1 in the 10th round here, and guys who took... Drew Brees in the seventh, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, especially Daniel Jones, Josh Allen. I feel pretty good that I have a quarterback who's better than all of those guys that were taken rounds six and seven that I just got in the tenth. Just to go to the point of wait on quarterback. Wait on if you're not going to take Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes with your third or fourth round pick in this draft, they actually went in the in the second round, both of them. Then just wait. Because after those two, everyone else is pretty much the same. Yeah, yeah, we have Dak three, we have Russell Wilson four, we have guys a little bit higher. But everybody's within the same range after that point. And that's the point. And you're looking for best value. Brady the tenth, even though it's my draft and you want to accuse me for not being objective, fine. But I think I can objectively say that that's the best value so far of the draft. As far as the quarterbacks who went later on. So now we're heading to the 11th round. Now we really kind of want to take a look at running back because we know we're running out of options there. We want to make sure we get a, a fourth guy that we can depend on because, you know, we have bye weeks, possible injuries, COVID-related issues. You want to have some depth at that position too. So while we got some three stars early, we need to start looking at, okay, who's going to be that extra guy? Who's going to be the guy that we can bring in uh, at times to get dispel some of these guys? And that's, this is where it really falls off. This is where it really becomes a preference pick. And once you start looking at what's available here, I don't understand why Tony Pollard is as high as he is, but we're going to talk about that a little bit more tomorrow as well. The guy I was hoping was going to be here was Duke Johnson. He actually came off the board. So that was, that was a little bit rough because I love Duke Johnson a lot, uh, being that I have zero expectations for David Johnson to actually finish the 16-game season. I think it's going to be uh, significantly low in the number of games that he winds up playing this year. And you know what? When we look at the board here, I don't see any running backs that I value at round 11. Or, more accurately, should say, I don't see any running backs that I can say, even though we're looking for a running back, that I can say I value more than a guy like, bam, Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson in the 11th round is an absolute steal. How many games he's going to play? I don't know. I don't know. But... Here's what we do know. Week one, he should be healthy. We talked about this. Alshon Jeffrey is going to be gone. We know he's a big play type of wide receiver. And we know going with this season in particular that when it comes to the amount of playing time and getting chemistry, especially on defense, the practices going into week one are going to be very few and far between. Which typically means guys who have speed are going to be set up in a much better position, especially early on in the season when defenses don't have that chemistry, don't have that communication that they usually get later on in the year. That's typically what it means. So guys like Deshaun Jackson or Marquise Brown, for instance, are, are set up to really have possibly big starts, big hot starts to their seasons because guys just aren't going to be ready for their natural gifts uh, from a schematic standpoint because of the lack of practice that we've had thus far. 
And then when you add the fact that Deshaun Jackson should be the number one receiver, at least while he's healthy, which means probably six to eight targets a game with his big playability, that's a big-time home run threat. That's a big-time home run threat who just became our wide receiver six on this team. So it's a nice little thing to have in the in the back pocket here. And remember, we're talking about this from Standard League, so there's certain guys that just aren't going to have as much value. Deshaun Jackson has a lot of value as a big uh, hit-or-miss type of guy. So we did that. We come back. We look at the running back position. Now, there's a couple guys that are available that I'm having my eye on. We're going to switch you to the rankings real quick so you can guys can kind of see what we're looking at uh, as far as what we have available on our board. And as we scroll down here, here's another guy, Adrian Peterson, we're going to talk about in tomorrow's show that I wish was still available. I thought he would be here. He actually went a little bit earlier in this draft than I was expecting him to. But we're going to go with a Malcolm Brown at this point. He's a top guy rated in, in ours. He is RB39. And, you know, he's going to be our RB4. In standard leagues, he has the most value. This was half point or full point PPR. We would be going Naeem Hines here, who's who's up on the board. Um, but in in full point PPR, oh, let me get this back up. Not sure what's going on there. Hold on, having a little technical difficulties uh, for some reason. The the mock draft here is not popping up again. Um. If this was full point or half point PPR, then we would be going Naeem Hines. For obvious reasons. He's going to be that third down passing back. It's Philip Rivers. We know he's going to be checking down the ball quite a bit. Still trying to figure out what's what's going on here. Um, but because this is a standard draft, we're going to go Malcolm Brown. And the reason for that is, is that Malcolm Brown, not only do we expect him to actually technically be the week one starter still as it stands now over Cam Akers. Yes, I know. Uh, Everyone doesn't seem to want to acknowledge that fact, but that is looking like it's going to be more and more the fact. Malcolm Brown's going to be the short yardage guy. He's going to be the goal line back. He's going to be the runner. They like Malcolm Brown a lot. Remember, they paid him to come back last year to be kind of a guy. Now, Cam Akers is definitely their their future. There's, There's no question about that. But for this season... Especially how given how the training camp, you know, OTAs, none, they weren't there and, you know, COVID and everything like that. You're bringing a guy who knows the system already, who's been effective in the goal line situations, who was Todd Gurley's backup last season. You're talking about standard leagues. You're talking about a guy who could be a touchdown specialist. That's what I could see Malcolm Brown being. Cam Makers is a big guy, but Malcolm Brown has been there, especially early on in the season. That's what I think he's going to be, especially in the red zone. So we're talking about RB4. We're talking about, I believe we're in the, the 12th round now. We're taking him out of value. You're taking a guy that we could you could plug and play and expect to get at least a few touchdowns out of uh, moving forward. And we finally got it back up. Okay, cool. So now I can, I can flip the screen back over and get back to the draft for you guys on that one. I hate, technico- I hate technology. Hate technology. All right. We came back, we draft Malcolm Brown, and guess who's still on the board? Naeem Hines. You know what? 13th round, I'm going to take Naeem Hines now. I'm going to take a guy who I'm going to be able to get some receiving work out of, who I know no matter what's going on with Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack, he has a role carved out for him, and it's going to be a significant one. Two-minute drills, uh, no huddles, third and longs. It's Phillip Rivers. I don't know how many carries he's going to get, but Naeem Hines is a guy who's sitting in line for 60 targets, and he's a guy who can get this late. Yeah. I'll take him as my fifth running back. 
And, and this is where you start taking shots. This, this depends on what team you have, right? So we went Malcolm Brown, we went Naeem Hines. And these aren't guys that you would consider to have high upside, no matter, no matter how you're looking at this. But these are guys that we know have particular roles, particular roles that we can utilize depending on bye weeks or injuries or certain matchups, certain trends. These are safe guys. These are high floor guys that we're taking later on to add depth to our position because we know with Todd Gurley, Miles Sanders, Derrick Henry, barring injury, that's going to be our starting three other than their bye weeks. And because we have the receivers that we do, Tyler Lockett, A.J. Green, Brandon Cooks, Marvin Jones, Emmanuel Sanders, Sean Jackson, we have a lot of upside that we can utilize for the flex. So we don't always have to go three running backs. It doesn't always have to be those guys. We just need serviceable backups who have clear roles that we know we're going to get some kind of production out of in a worst-case measure because we went, we got so strong at receiver in the second draft that we have a lot of different options. Options, options, options. That's all it's going to be. And also, you know, the big thing you have to remember is that in your draft, you it's you, your draft. Sorry, lose, keep losing my train of thought. Your draft is not going to be your final roster. There's trades you can make. There's waiver wire pickups that you're going to do. It's not going to be your final roster when you're going into the playoffs. But what we have here is a list of assets. That's what you have here. So if you need a fourth running back that's a little bit stronger. And you have guys like Marvin Jones and Emmanuel Sanders who aren't necessarily in your starting lineup week to week, but are getting out good value for a team that got injury real at receiver or is weak at receiver to begin with. And you want to make a swap for, say, a, a Zach Moss for an Emmanuel Sanders or a Marvin Jones. That's a trade that has a very likely capability of happening. So that's why I always tell you guys draft for value. Even if you don't wind up with you feel like the best team coming out of the draft, as long as you draft for value, at worst, at worst, you're going to come away with assets. You're going to come away with depth. And those assets within your depth can be great trade pieces where you can do two-for-ones and get somebody that you really want to a team that maybe has a weak spot here or finds himself in a pinch because of injuries or bye weeks or whatnot and be able to take advantage of those situations because as long as you draft that value, you will have assets that are worth something to someone and will be able to make trades down the road. And that's why I I, I prioritize, I don't say I shouldn't say I prioritize, but I want to amplify how important trading can be for players out there and how great it can be to your team. But we want to go ahead and we want to get through the rest of this draft because this show is going on a little bit long. Now we're getting the 14th, 15th, 16th round. Now, I like to do, personally, I like to do something a little bit different than most. Most people will tell you to wait till the 15th, 16th round and take a defense and a kicker. I like doing it around earlier. I like going in the 14th, 15th round, getting defense, kicker, because I like to save that last round for whoever is left. I want to take that guy that I have the most value in as that sleeper in that 16th round and just take him. Just take him there. Whoever's left over, basically, whoever's the most value, whoever's going to be that last sleeper, that's the route that I really want to go. Um, and I'd rather wind up with an elite defense and an elite kicker ahead of everybody and then take a sleeper rather than waiting to take a defense and a kicker in the same rounds. Everybody else is taking a defense and a kicker because then you're not going to wind up with one of the elite ones. And in, a, in two positions that are so uh, volatile... I'd rather wind up with guys that I can have a more sure feeling about heading into it. So in our draft class, we actually have the Kansas City Chiefs pretty high. We have them as number two fantasy defense overall. Now, before you start losing your mind saying, well, the Kansas City Chiefs defense isn't that good. It's not. 
But because of the way the offense plays and the way their defense plays, they get they get set up for a lot of turnovers. They get set up for a lot of sacks because they're up by a couple of scores in most of their games. So while they're not a great defense from a fantasy perspective, they're a very good defense and they have very good explosive special teams returners. But in this instance, I'm actually going to go Justin Tucker because the kickers haven't been touched yet. I'd rather get our number one kicker on the board. I'd rather get a guy who year in and year out is top three at his position. And we, like I said, I'd rather go early and get one of the top guys that I know are going to be there because it's such a volatile position. There's only a select few that you know will definitely give you the return at the top of their position. And remember, when fantasy football drafts, anywhere you can get an advantage is what you need to take advantage of. And then we took that draft and came back, and look, Kansas City Chiefs are right there on the board. I like the New Orleans Saints uh, quite a bit, too. I think they're going to have a very good defense. I think Minnesota is going to be solid. But we're going to go ahead and take the Kansas City Chiefs because from a fantasy perspective, we really like the capabil- their possibilities. And week one, playing against Houston, while it's a good offense, I still Deshaun Watson still a guy that you can get turnovers on. He's still a guy you're going to be able to get sacks on behind that offensive line. So I like it from a fantasy point perspective. And that's defense is probably the biggest position where um, there's really such a huge difference between what's actually good NFL wise and what is good fantasy wise. And it's it always kind of always kind of plays out that way. Uh, where you kind of just have to ignore what you think NFL-wise of a defense and really just look at what's your sacks, what's your turnovers, what's your special teams capabilities, what's your fantasy points, and kind of ignore the rest. Even even when it comes to points scored, everybody, even if you're a top-notch defense, you're going to give up close to 20 points a game now. This is how the NFL works. Uh, so you're not necessarily going for an actually good NFL defense all the time. Uh, just just kind of like give you a little Defensive tidbit there. It's probably the most I'll ever talk about defenses with you. So now we're in the 16th round. We can go any direction we want to. Like I said, I just want to take the best value. I don't care what position it is. I just want to take the best sleeper guy that we have available to us. And I'm staring on the board, and it's going to be Cam Newton. We have him as QB 12, so we have him as in this 12-man league. He would be a QB 1. We like what his upside, his rushing ability is going to be. And to have to pair him up with Tom Brady here in the 16th round, not a bad thing to do. Maybe Tom Brady is done. Maybe he falls off. A, maybe he does fall off a cliff. Just in case, we have a guy that we know at the very least is going to be able to use his legs, and a team that doesn't care about using him up because they didn't make a financial commitment to him. So we take Cam Newton with this draft to wrap up our standard mock draft for this one, the 16th round. Yeah, uh, Draft Wizard gave us a B minus. We don't care. I'm gonna give you another tidbit on that one. For those of you who have draft grades, they're fun. They're they're a good little tool to be able to talk shit about and everything like that to your guys. But they mean literally nothing. I can't tell you the amount of times I've seen guys who came away with a quote unquote F draft grade, uh, depending on these softwares, and wound up being the champions. Because once again, your draft roster is not going to be your final roster. As long as you have assets to move around, you will be able to stay fluid. And, and be able to put together a good team week to week. It's all about drafting your core. That's what you want to walk away out of in a draft. You want to walk away with your core of what your team's going to be built around, and then the rest of it really is fluid from that. Um, so just to recap real quickly, we get you know our starting line would be Tom Brady and Derrick Henry and Miles Sanders, Tyler Lockett, A.J. Green, Zach Ertz, Todd Gurley. Chiefs defense, Justin Tucker, or we could, you know, mix it up with Brandon Cooks if AJ Green goes down and Marvin Jones, Emmanuel Sanders, Sean Jackson, Malcolm Brown, Naeem Hines, Cam Newton. That is a solid team. That is a team with a lot of high floors with some big capabilities. And that is utilizing the MD's fantasy football rankings compared to the ADPs of a lot of mock drafts out there, the consensus ADPs at that. 
Uh, first time showing my face on the video pretty much for this entire episode before we go ahead and close out the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed our standard mock draft. Remember, next week we'll be back with the half-point PPR mock draft on Thursday. And tomorrow, make sure you're following in tomorrow as our, for our best five, bus five, sleeper five of the running back position, talking about that from a half-point PPR standpoint. Everyone, make sure you go ahead and follow us on Twitter and Facebook, especially for those player news update notifications on Twitter at Show. Make sure you guys send in your mailbag questions. You can call in the MD Nation hotline, 609-362-2480, or you can contact us on social media. We'll make sure all questions are answered one way or another, even if they don't wind up on uh, the show. And make sure you check out the updated rankings on the BellyUpFantasySports.com uh, website. Everyone have a great day. Stay healthy, and we will see you guys tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.